0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation, a podcast from the AIM 10X Network dedicated to uncovering the best practices and most valuable learnings from the world's leading change agents and community of global innovators. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and as always, we're here to provide you with actionable insights from today's greatest thought leaders to guide and accelerate your journeys. In today's episode, we're going to be joined by 0 09 Solutions Leadership and Values Coach, Dave Koss. Dave is going to talk with us about how to apply the lessons he learned in the Navy to business transformation. We'll start by talking a little bit more about Dave's journey into the Navy before diving further into key learnings that he gained related to team building and leadership. And then we'll close out the conversation by taking a look at how to apply those lessons to business through technology. Now, before we get to proper introductions here, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Dave. So first up, prior to joining O-9 Solutions, Dave built a 30-year career in the United States Navy, and as a naval officer and naval aviator, he held numerous leadership and training roles, in addition to serving in squadrons, including Top Gun and the Blue Angels. Lastly, I just want to note here that Dave is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy so without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome the man of the hour, Dave Koss. Dave, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Caleb. Thank you. I really appreciate getting the opportunity to spend this time with you this morning. I think this is going to be um, really valuable to me and I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Dave, I just had a curiosity before we jump into today's conversation. I had to ask, what was it like actually flying with the Blue Angels? I mean, this is something I grew up going to watch you guys. What was it like to be able to lead that team?
1: It's awesome. Uh, the, The Blue Angels, their mission is to highlight and showcase the professionalism of the men and women that serve in the United States military, particularly in the Navy. So it's a real honor to be able to lead that effort and to be able to watch a team work so closely together to realistically provide a show that is entertaining. But again, its sole purpose is to showcase and highlight the professionalism of the men and women in the military. And ultimately, it's a recruiting tool. You can basically see the Blue Angels and recognize and associate them with the U.S. Navy. And ultimately, what it's like to fly and lead them, it's the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. It is an absolute attention to detail uh, oriented flight for the 53 minutes that it takes to complete the entire flight. It is a no mistakes desired, you know, no safety issues required to have a good, safe show. It's, it's really it's an honor and a privilege and it's a challenge. And it's, it, it's just a phenomenal opportunity to get out there and show what these planes can do and, more importantly, what the people can do.
0: And, of course, you led some incredible teams uh, as in part of your tenure with the, the Blue Angels. But I actually want to step back here a little bit. Before joining 09 Solutions, you had that very decorated career in the Navy. So let's go all the way back to the beginning here. What exactly drew you to pursuing that line of work? So
1: my dad. Uh, and, and I my dad was a naval aviator. He flew in Vietnam and watching him do what he did and have that passion about what he does is really what inspired me to serve. And the interesting thing was that is what got me in the door. And as I mentioned earlier, it was working with the quality of people that kept me in the door and learning to appreciate what it means to serve your country. That's ultimately what sold me on not only Naval aviation, but the Navy and service as a whole. So it was inspired from a very young age. And then the more I got involved, uh, the more I wanted to stay in it and, and really serve my country and work with just exceptional people.
0: Man, and I, I bet, like you know, once you're you're in, you know, you're inspired to join by your dad, and then once you're there, it sort of wins you over. Like uh, I would say, like a lot of the the winning uh, businesses and organizations out there, people, you know, they might come for sort of the prestige of working for a company, uh, but then they stay once they learn it's a great place to work and are really buying into sort of the mission. Now, looking back, Dave, on your years in the Navy, what would you say was your biggest challenge related to driving that meaningful change within the organization?
1: Change is a great word. And I really like it because as a person who serves in the military, you are exposed to change consistently. And I think that there are two sides of change. One is being open to it as a potential person who has to be part of the change. And the other side is the leading part. And I think the leadership part is the most challenging because I think if you're going to have change and you're in charge of Enabling that change, it it really comes down to uh, three things. And the first is leadership. You have to have people driving that change. The second is education. People need to understand why the change is so important. And the third is buy-in. And that's one thing I learned that when the people are buying into the change, it really makes it that much easier to do. So I think, again, having been exposed to change my entire career, it's easier to step back, take the lessons learned. From the organization and from the experience, and then hopefully apply them in a leadership role. And, and I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I was in charge of an organization and we needed to make a pretty major change. I, I brought the group that it was going to affect the most into an office. And I said, Hey, here are my thoughts on this. I want to hear your thoughts. And then we got to move out. And so I heard their thoughts, but I made the change without taking a couple of their inputs into account. And I rolled out the change And later, it came back to me that the team was a little frustrated because I didn't clearly communicate what that change was going to look like um, as I was doing it. And they got a little frustrated. And what they said, oddly enough, at the end of it was, hey, boss, if you wanted us just to change, why didn't you order it? And that's why I'm so big on the buy-in part, because if you truly want people to get aligned with the change, there has to be buy-in. And again, I think that comes via the leadership and the education piece.
0: Right. And one thing I want to just follow up with you on there is relationship building is going to be essential, right? into fostering that sort of trust between you and your team members, what role would you say having a, a relationship and investing those relationships? What role did that play in sort of gaining that sort of buy-in and trust?
1: It's all about the relationship. And that's, that's a great point you tease out. And that's interestingly enough, we were talking earlier about the Blue Angels. The Blue Angels are all about trust. The wingmen have to trust the boss and the boss has to trust the wingman. And, and it, and it parlays into every part of any industry that you're in. It all starts with trust because people follow leaders, their trust. They follow processes that they trust. They identify with things that they can rally behind and believe in. And I think that's great that you tease that word trust out because ultimately at the end of the day, if there is that trust, it makes anything you're trying to do that much easier.
0: You know, along with the, the idea of trust, a lot of organizations lay out these values, right? Into helping their employees understand exactly what is, the, what is it I'm trusting in exactly. So I'd love to, to kind of hear a little bit more about your take on the, the roles of values. So from your perspective, I mean, what role did understanding the values of the Navy play in your overall success?
1: That's really where I learned the value of values. It's that the Navy's core values are honor, courage, and commitment. And I think that's something that anybody can rally around, right? Having honor, doing the right thing. Same thing as having integrity. When people are watching, doing the right thing. When people aren't watching, doing the right thing. So I think the word honor really came to mean something to me. Courage. Serving in the military is not easy. Leading is not easy. Making tough decisions is not easy. Having the courage to always do what's right and pursue what the next step is, takes courage. And again, a pretty easy word to rally around. And then that last word, commitment. If you're not the most committed to your organization, particularly as a leader, why would anybody else want to be? So committed to the mission, committed to the vision, committed to the organization. And I think that was just a fantastic way for me to be exposed to something that I could rally around. And there are three of them, so they're simple enough because the people have to be able to, at their core, understand what the values are and what they mean. And I think the Navy did a really good job with it. And just like my current position, you mentioned earlier, I'm a leadership and values coach. You know, we have five values here at 09 Solutions, uh, client value focus, leadership, execution, innovation, and social impact. Again, five words that the people can really rally around. And really, the values are something that forms the base of your culture. And like you mentioned earlier, having trust, having trust in the, the corporation, having trust in the values, again, that's how you start building those teams. That's how you build that culture. And if you really want to further the mission, you got to have those values to rally around.
0: Yeah, and I want to take that a step further because we're not just talking about having values when the business is doing well and it's found out what works and you know, sticking with it. We're talking about innovation, honoring those values in times of transformation or change. Dave, applying that same philosophy that you just laid out to business, why do you think it's so important for leaders to know their company's objectives and core values, especially when leading business transformation?
1: That's a great question. And I think it comes down to getting the values right from the very beginning. Because I think if you ever have to change or shift your values, then I think it sends the message that, oops, we didn't get these right in the first place. So what's been impressive to me is to see the thought that's gone behind the values in in 09 Solutions. And, And to be honest, I've really come to appreciate the fact that they're the foundation and they're a foundation that will remain in place. And to answer your question, I think once you start with having something to rally around, you have your values, everybody understands them. It gives you the ability to stand on a solid foundation. And you mentioned the word trust earlier. When people trust that they're on a solid foundation and they trust the leadership and they trust the mission, it makes it that much easier to enable change.
0: Absolutely, I think that's that's well said. Because it, you know, it's one thing when things are going well to say, "Hey, we've got these values," but it's another when you're trying to to grow and change and and have those to point, uh, you know, team members and also managers back to saying, "Hey, this is what we stand for. This is what we're about." Outside of just making money, absolutely. I want to shift gears here for you, Dave, because we can't talk about the Navy today without discussing this past summer's biggest film, Top Gun: Maverick. Now, looking back on the film, I really want to get your take here. What are a few of the key lessons regarding leadership and team building that the movie got right?
1: Interestingly enough, I went to the National War College back in 2013. And the reason I mentioned that is I actually took a course called Leadership Through Film. And it was pretty interesting because we literally watched movies and pulled out the leadership lessons from them. So unfortunately, I can't just sit and enjoy a movie anymore. It's always a, a leadership lab experience for me as I try to tease out the lessons learned uh, from from the movies I'm watching. So I did that with Top Gun. And first off, uh, I'm not here to promote Top Gun, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I was really impressed that they followed a really good movie with a really good sequel. And to answer your question, I think there was a lot of leadership lessons that were teased out during it. And, and, and one of the ways that they did that really well was the differences between, and I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but the difference between Maverick And Iceman. As you know, Maverick, as his call sign implies, is kind of a shoot from the hip. He's a little bit of a wild card. He's a little bit of get things done kind of his way, but he's exceptional at operating the aircraft. So, guess what that does? That causes people to want to follow and rally around him. Because he's so good at his trade, he inspires that commitment, he inspires that followership. But Interestingly enough, he peaked out at captain, which by the way, in the Navy, I think only 1% make captain, So it's pretty darn good. And it's funny the way they talk about it in the movie, but he didn't make Admiral. And I think he could have had more impactful leadership experiences had he continued to rise to the top. And it even teases out in the movie again, without spoiling it, that there were a couple times he even had leadership failures because he is that maverick and that wild child. Whereas you take Iceman who's very calculated. His call sign's Iceman because he doesn't make mistakes. You know, he's, he's ice cold and he rises to pretty much the top. He's a three-star admiral. And I think in that position, he can have a broader impact on the military. So I thought they did a really neat job teasing out the difference between the two. They both inspired people to follow them as leaders, but for different reasons. And then the, the, the thing you mentioned also, team building. Again, not to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it, they play a sport because they're having trouble gelling the team and there's some friction between some pretty strong personalities, which let's be honest, that's a real world scenario. And ultimately, Tom Cruise as Maverick, the leader, takes a day off from work and fly and brings them out to do an event that ultimately makes the team come together and work as one. So we could talk for hours about Top Gun and the leadership things, but I think those are the two key ones is if you really pay attention to the two leadership styles that the two main characters have, there's some lessons to pull. And then watching Tom Cruise throughout the course of the movie, and one basically culminating event, he builds a team. And if you want to do change management, if you want to build trust, again, it all comes back to that team building and teamwork.
0: Dave, I appreciate you sharing your take on the film and and a few things that really stuck out to you. I, I want to turn it back to you, though, in your career. I mean, how have you overcome some of maybe the, these more common team building challenges uh, that are also on display in the movie?
1: Again, as you mentioned, team building is, is a really critical thing. And getting the, the buy-in from the organization comes from people getting to know each other. So the interesting thing, and I'll use the Blue Angels as an example, we spent 300 days a year together from... Six o'clock in the morning when we briefed, till usually seven o'clock in the evening when we went home, six days a week, we were together. And the funny thing is, you always look back on opportunities. There were probably more opportunities that we could have even done more social things, more team building things, because we kind of accepted it as a byproduct that we would build the team because we were together so much. And as I look back on it, I wish I'd have done that a little differently because. We got along well. We worked really well together. But as I've grown older, I look back on that experience and realize there were some times we could have done things again to break down a little more of the barriers of communication between us if we spent a little more time with each other uh, socially or even playing sports or doing things that is that team building. So um, at, at every part of the organization, you know, you're either a leader or a follower. And when you're a follower, I feel it's your job to align with the mission and the vision, but also your bosses. And then when you're a leader, again, to your point, it's a really good question. It's all about inspiring followership. And a lot of that followership comes in the form of building a team and taking the time to get that right and getting everybody to know everybody so that we can think and act alike uh, is critical. And, And I'll end with, that's why the Blue Angels do 156 shows practice before they take the show on the road because it's about understanding how each other operates, how each other thinks, how each other flies, because we're so close together. There's so little room for error. We have to be a team and there has to be trust or else we can't go out and put on a show that is uh, that has risk without mitigating that risk, again, by being team players and being aligned.
0: Awesome, yeah! Thanks so much for sharing uh, your, your bit about alignment here. I think it ties really well into the the next question that I, I want to ask. One more about Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> and then we'll move on. I promise. Okay. Maverick's main challenge, which is training and building a team, obviously, but inspiring his team to overcome what are seemingly impossible challenges. In fact, again, without getting too much in the spoilers, the the tasks they are are given are miracle number one and miracle number two because of how challenging they are. From your perspective, how can leaders motivate their teams to overcome seemingly impossible challenges, especially when we're thinking about business transformations?
1: That is an excellent question. And I think that Leadership is the key to that, and you can't just say leadership and all of a sudden everything falls into place. I think there are a lot of key elements to leadership, and and one thing I did in the past because I've 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 thought about, I even got to teach leadership and ethics at at a university, and as I sat and thought, what do I think leadership is? I put it in a math equation, and although leadership is not math, I think that a math equation helps demonstrate what the key characteristics to leadership are. I think that leadership is integrity. Times accountability times credibility times courage times commitment plus compassion squared equals leadership. And I don't put any disclaimers in front of leadership. It's either leadership or it's not. And I think the first five are multiplicative because if you don't have any of those and the value is zero, then you can't have a resultant. And again, that resultant is leadership. So if you don't have integrity, accountability, credibility, courage, commitment, you can't have leadership. But then I add compassion. Because we've seen a lot of leaders get the job done, but they lack compassion. But I square it because I think it's the most important characteristic in the equation itself. So you asked about Maverick and being a leader. I think that one of the things that he does really well is he has integrity, right? He shows up. He does the right thing every day. He has accountability. He holds himself to the same standards he's holding his people to. And you talked about having two consecutive miracles. How you achieve that is planning and preparation right? And I'll go back to the equation here in a minute. But basically, having a a commitment to the mission, understanding what it is, and then planning, preparing. In the Navy, we have what's called a P-BED process. Plan, brief, execute, debrief. We do that for every mission. And that that matters to get the planning right, to brief it, to talk about it so you and I understand what the mission is. Obviously, execution is probably the most key. And then debrief, you got to learn. Right. So, again, he was really good at the accountability piece, holding himself and demonstrating that he could do what he was asking his people to do, which also goes in line with the credibility piece. Right. Because they want to follow him because he's so good. Courage. What they did took tremendous courage. And again, without spoiler alert. Right. They went on a mission, like you said, that needed consecutive miracles to to succeed. That takes courage, right? Getting out of an airplane, getting in front of people, making that business decision, it all takes courage to get it right. And then uh, uh, the compassion part, right? You have to have a compassion or an empathy for your people. You have to They have to understand that you as a leader understand what their needs are, what their development needs are, and they have to know that you're there for them. And I think that they tease that out really well that he did it. And as I take that uh, six part leadership equation and I lay out each one of those characteristics against his character in that movie, I think he did a pretty good job and they did a pretty good job creating his character and ultimately allowing him to demonstrate some really good leadership characteristics
0: again, uh, Dave, I appreciate you sort of putting a, a pen in it. I love that you laid out sort of those core traits of, of a leader. Again, because at the end of the day, in order to inspire people to you know achieve and go greater than what, what they think they can do, um, you've got to have uh, all the values that you laid out just there. There is one other element here that I think is going to be pretty important to the overall success of business transformation. And that is ensuring that your teams have the resources and tools they need to get the job done. So I, I want to turn it back to you. Here, Dave. I mean, what role would you say having the the right planning technology? What role does that play in effective business transformation?
1: It, it plays every role. And interestingly enough, again to take it back to Top Gun, one of the things that the the aviators had was really really good technology, right? And they they teased out the difference between fourth generation and fifth generation, and ultimately what they brought it down to was in a hardware comparison, what they teased out was that the the person was what was the discriminator in being the better performer. And I thought they did a really good job with that. But but I'll take it a step further. And it's not just the person that, that's in the cockpit. It's in the information that they they have. As I mentioned earlier, we use a process called PBED, plan, brief, execute, debrief. And during the planning phase, it's all about collecting data, right? And, and the funny thing is, this has actually been a real easy transformation from the military into this tech position I'm in, Because a lot of the uh, necessities and the requirements are the same. You talked about setting your people up for success. As a leader, you give them the tools that they need to do. And one of those tools that I think you mentioned was the ability to navigate change and ultimately in a tech company, take demand planning for an example. The first thing you do is collect data and then you measure its accuracy. And there's a whole seven step process that, that includes a feedback loop to that but it's very similar to being an aviator. You have to have data. You have to do your best to prove its accuracy. You have to look at forecasting. You have to apply lessons learned. And then ultimately you have to make a decision and move out. And just like the seventh step of demand planning, you have to archive that data, right? Because you're only as good as your last uh, event, as your last mission. Same thing with supply and demand planning. If you're, if you're, Forecasting is accurate and you're getting accurate data, it makes it that easy, that much easier to enable decision making. And ultimately, at the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? Is having data in front of you that's actionable, that's factual, that's really something that you can use because you have to make decisions. Because ultimately, again, it's at the end of the day, it's making decisions and it's executing and having a platform that provides you that data, I think is one of the most critical things you can have in a business today. It was just the same with the military. We called it Intel. The more accurate the Intel was, the more successful our mission was. Just like, again, in supply and demand planning, the more accurate the data, the more successful.
0: And on that note, though, what would you say are some of the risks of having inaccurate data or inaccurate Intel? Do you have any examples from your career where you were working off of less than solid Intel?
1: Absolutely. And we call it situational awareness and having effective intel and knowing the quality of that intelligence was extremely critical because we start our mission planning every time with data. And sometimes it was the enemy order of battle, you know, what they have to bring to the, to the fight and what we have to bring to the fight really matters. So there's tremendous risk in having bad data. Again, we called it situational awareness. And there's basically three types of situational awareness. And what that is, is essentially battle space awareness. The first piece is having good situational awareness, right? Knowing how many airplanes are out there, knowing their enemy air order of battle, surface order of battle, missile missile order of battle, understanding what the playing field looks like. Having good SA is really good. Um, Having no SA is bad, but it's not as bad as having bad situational awareness. So having no situational awareness is actually less dangerous because when you go in and know, I don't know everything that I need to know, then you make more risk calculating decisions and you don't put your team in as aggressive scenarios because you're not sure what the battle space looks like. And that's a lot safer than bad essay because having bad situational awareness means you make decisions based on false data. And those can prove to be the most dangerous. So translate that to our business. Having inaccurate data can lead you down a rabbit hole of making bad decisions. Having no data can at least make you replan, rethink, uh, reattack. Whereas having perfect data makes it easy to make decisions, streamline your, uh, your decision making and your processes, and realistically affords you the opportunity to spend more time developing your people. So I hope that, that that made sense. But to us in the military, it was all about intelligence and situational awareness. And the more accurate the both of them are, the easier it is to make decisions and, and really move out and align more with the mission and vision.
0: That bad data really can, like you said, send people down a rabbit hole that's ultimately going to be in a direction that's not going to benefit the business. Now, you mentioned the importance of leaders spending more time with their teams. And anytime you're adopting a new tech or new processes or a new way of thinking or even a new value within your company, uh, that, that's going to require a certain amount of buy-in from the people you're trying to lead. So from your perspective, Dave, how can leaders help gain buy-in and shape the adoption of new planning technologies within their organizations?
1: I think... Uh, a proof of concept is always the easiest way, right? Knowing that when you are trying to get somebody to adopt a change, educating them on the value of that change, right? Acquiescing their fears, because a lot of people hear the word change and they're, oh, hey, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not much for change right now. I got a pretty good thing going. I'm happy in my job. Yeah, we're not the best at supply and demand planning forecast, but it seems to be working. And I think if I go back to the original comments I made earlier about the, the essential components of change management leadership, education, and buy-in. Again, it's the leader's role to educate everybody who's involved, whether they're on their team of trying to enable change or the receivers of that change. The education is just a huge piece of that because once they truly understand that, yes, it will be a little bit of a challenge to work through it, but on the backside, you're way better, right? And, And it's interesting. I've heard people say, uh, you know, essentially those who are willing to change are gonna be less willing to as- accept the the consequences of not changing. So again, I think it's up to those leaders to educate people on what that change looks like and what, it, what it's gonna to mean to them on the background, which sometimes is a 10X improvement in their capability because ultimately it's all about gaining that buy-in and it's taking the time to demonstrate your credibility and what the credibility and the value of what it is you're bringing so that they can truly understand the value in it. And again, that's ultimately what gains that buy-in and helps move move the team forward and then stay in with them. It's not a drop in the technology. Hey, everything's good. Appreciate that. Life's good. No, no, no. It's a journey.
0: Uh, we're going to start to wind down here. But before we do, I have a couple of final questions here for you. Firstly, I mean, for those uh, aspiring digital transformation leaders who are listening today, Maybe they want to help make their teams and their careers. They want to take it to the, to the master level. What next steps would you recommend to them?
1: Make an educated decision, right? Uh, if, if you want to take your team to the next level, make sure you understand what the, what I would call the battlefield looks like, right? Understanding all the key players, all the key elements and really understanding, it. it's interesting that we've mentioned the word change management. If people want to take that next step and they want to improve basically their analytical skills so that they're making more educated decisions, it's all about having the confidence in yourself as a leader. I mentioned those five things that are important to a leader. And one of them is courage, having the courage to make that change, making an educated decision, working with your team, right? Building your team around the mission of making that change and really ultimately understanding that on the the, the backside of, of change, the organization is going to be that much better. And that's what that digital transformation is, is understanding the old way we used to do it and understanding there's a better way and knowing that, yes, it's going to take a little bit of work and a little bit of effort and a little bit of time. And having that critical accuracy of the data and information is really what it's all about. So, realistically, digital transformation. It's about committing to the process, understanding there are new and better ways to doing it, leading that change, bringing your team on board, getting their buy-in and moving out.
0: All right, Dave, I think that, that puts a fine pin in it. I really appreciate you sharing all of your insights on digital transformation and some stories from your time in the Navy. Is there anything else you would like to add today as we close out about applying lessons learned in the Navy to business transformation?
1: First off, I appreciate this opportunity, Caleb. It's been it's been a, a joy to spend this time with you this morning. And I'll just I'll just end by saying it's been really inspiring for me to transition from a career that I loved into a company I love. And I I, I love being in the military and I, I love the mission we were on. I love the core values that we were around. And now I'm in a company that I also love and appreciate and understand the set of core values and how it really builds the team within an organization. And ultimately, it's that team's responsibility to align with that number one value, which is client value, and and bringing a product that we know ultimately will make them better at what they do. And to be honest, the better we are at supply and demand planning forecasting, the better stewards of Earth's precious resources we are. And, And basically, if we can make better decisions, there's less waste, and that's better for all of us. So it's been neat to go from, a mission in the military to a mission in the civilian world. And both, I would argue, are equally as important as it's all about making decisions based on accurate data and ultimately trying to make the world a better place.
0: Listeners, again, this has been Dave Koss, the 09 Solutions Leadership and Values Coach. Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Caleb. I appreciate the time. And thank you listeners for tuning into today's episode featuring Dave Koss covering how to apply the leadership lessons that he learned in the Navy to business success. We started today's conversation by discussing Dave's journey to the Navy before talking more about his key takeaways related to team building and leadership. And then we wrapped up the conversation by taking a closer look at how to apply those lessons to business through technology. Now, if you enjoyed today's conversation with Dave and you'd like to learn more, you can check out the 09 Solutions blog that's titled Choose the Right Demand Planning Resources that's linked in today's show notes. To keep up with every episode of Masters of Digital Transformation, you can search for the podcast on your preferred podcast app and leaving us a rating and review specifically on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can learn more about the activities and learning opportunities available to the AIM 10X Innovators Network by following AIM 10X on LinkedIn. And as we sign off today, I'd like to encourage you to think on the words of Roseanne Cash. The key to transformation is to let go of fear. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you again next time.